I am your host, Luke Grilly. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Jerry Burris. And Jerry, we have a very exciting guest uh, joining us tonight. Very excited uh, to bring the uh, the godfather of the league from the Ville on tonight. Yes, yes we do have a commissioner. We have uh, Mark MZ18, Mocky, joining us tonight, talking fantasy football, talking Browns, and of course, continuing on with the uh, with the mock draft. So, Mark, welcome to the to the broadcast. Let's go, fellas. Let's do this. Let's not waste any time. Let's jump right into it. We're not going to waste any time. Uh, find us on Twitter at Glory Podcast, on Facebook, Never Ending Glory Podcast, on email, negpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, you can find us on iTunes. And we, like we mentioned last time, this will be our second episode featured on Dynasty Football Warehouse, your one stop shop for all things Dynasty, IDP, Redraft, Daily Leagues, Fantasy Football. They have projections, they have ADP, they have ranking. So come on in. And they have great articles each day coming out, two, one to two articles coming out every day. Uh, so be sure to check out dynastyfootballwarehouse.com. But let's get going because this is. Last Sunday was the last Sunday that we will not have football until February. So I'm excited because on Sunday, August 7th, coming up, we have the Hall of Fame game going on between the Packers and Colts. Um, let's see, who's getting who's getting inducted to the Hall of Fame this year? We have uh, Marvin Harrison. Brett Favre. Uh, Brett Favre. Um, Kevin Green, right? Who yeah. else we got going into the, yep. into the Hall of Fame here? So it'll Tony be, it'll be a, Tony Marvin Gunji. Harrison, the king of car washes. The king of car washes <laughs> and somehow getting away with never getting uh, arrested for shooting a gun at somebody. That yes. wasn't his. Yeah. It wasn't his. But it was at his car wash. So? It wasn't it's his pretty- gun. That's like some Breaking Bad stuff, I feel like. I it feel is. like there's details we don't know about that. There's Tony, a lot of details we don't know about Tony that. Tony Dungy knows. <laughs> Tony Dungy knows all, and I think Tony <laughs> yeah. Dungy's secretly Tony. dead. He, he, that guy's a vampire because he, just like Jim Caldwell, his his expressions never change when he's on TV. And uh, uh, But, no, anyways, we do have – it'll be a fun game. Obviously, you're not going to see much of the starters, but you'll see a bunch of backup guys. Uh, maybe Devontae Adams can show you he's worth being on your fantasy roster this year. Josh Ferguson's backup running back for the Colts, uh, who's who's been a sleeper as of late, rookie. So maybe watch him see if he can do anything for your fantasy team as well. Um, but obviously with the first preseason game, we won't see a ton of the starters. But it's still good to have NFL football back on our TV. So that will be this Sunday, the Hall of Fame game in Canton, Ohio. But, you know, one thing I, I, I want to mention before we get into this, you know, right now, you go on Roto World, right, and or you go on Twitter, and all of a sudden the beat reporters are saying, "This guy looks great in camp. He's catching everything in camp." You know, pump the brakes a little bit because uh, one reporter can say he looks great in camp, while the other reporter says the guy looks absolutely terrible in camp. We live in the environment in Cleveland of hearing this receiver looks great. I actually heard on the radio today that Marlon Moore was looking good today. Um, uh, oh, Marlon Moore! Huh? Yeah, Marlon Moore was looking real good at camp today. So we live in that nonstop in, in August here in Cleveland. Marlon Moore, guys, is I'm, – I'm sorry, but I can't take this. Marlon Moore, he is this receiver that is a journeyman that I don't care – they could say that he is unbelievable, but you know you're not getting anything out of him because you've already seen him do things. He's oh, just he's a, terrible. He's just a it's punk terrible. gunner. That's all he is. At he's least, a gunner. At least with these rookies, you're like, man, you know, there's that sense of hope. <laughs> with Marlon Moore, it's like, no, there's nothing there. Marlon Moore's not going to do anything. <laughs> well, and, and right now we're seeing the same thing in New England, and uh, Belichick alluded to this today. Aaron Dobson's having a great camp, and, and Belichick said, how many times have we seen this before? You know, Dobson's always been a player that always showed promise early on but can never get it together on the field. So you know, take these reports with a grain of salt. Obviously, we have four preseason games. 
before we start seeing some real results. And, um, and even a preseason hero could turn into a zero in, in the regular season. So um, the good news is, is we have had minimal injuries this early in the, in the, um, in the preseason. Probably the, the major one that we've seen so far, Stevie Johnson, who's what the wide receiver two, wide receiver three for the Chargers, tore meniscus, likely out uh, anywhere between two to six months. He's getting surgery here soon. Um, and um, a move that the Chargers made in order to replace Stevie Johnson was signed James Jones. So James Jones has some sort of you know fantasy pulse again, but very minimal because it's James Jones and he's pretty much mediocre outside of Green Bay. Um, Twitter was ablaze once Odell Beckham got cleated. <laughs> I, and, and, you know, this is sometimes I hate being on Twitter and just the reactionary posts by guys that, oh, Odell Beckham got cleated. He had to get carted off. Well, I mean, they just didn't want him to, I don't know, walk on crutches or something like that. It, it hurts like hell to get cleated. I watched uh, it. He didn't even get carted off. Oh, he didn't get, well, I, I read I on watched the, the whole thing. That's a sad thing that I read on Twitter that he got carted off. So, you know, Trust these reports with a grain of salt. There's really not much to them. Uh, Tavon Austin last night, I first read that he got carted off with a lower leg injury and then ended up being dehydration. You know, just, <laughs> just thirsty. The, yeah, right? <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's just the, the overreaction is just crazy nowadays. So the only benefit to it is, you know, you could find one of your fellow dynasty owners who could be um, – very scared of a major injury and and try to trade their player at the la- you know before their value goes down you know to in the pits or whatever. Uh, that's really the only benefit to these early reports of injuries. Other than that, really just just kind of wait and see just to make sure that your guys are actually going to be fine, which ninety nine percent of the time they are. But uh, Mark, let's talk about a couple injuries that happened today in the AFC North. Um, well, but, yeah, really quick, Luke. I just saw on the ticker too that Julius Thomas went down today. Uh, awesome. Julius, I'm always injured, Thomas, yes, went down today with an ankle injury. Uh, and what do you know? I got a phone call from Vern uh, trying to talk <laughs> trade talks, and he wanted to put Julius Thomas in the deal while you're talking about that. So that's funny. So, exactly. So, he, you know, the, sometimes, uh, you know, hungry fantasy owners find, try to find the weak cattle on the herd or whatever and pounce when they can. But I know, Mark, even though you're laid up right now with a torn Achilles, you know, you're you're not a weak animal right now. You're not going to put up with that shit. So no, my, my physical attributes might be down, but uh, my mental <laughs> attributes are up. That's absolutely correct. But yeah, we saw a couple injuries today. William Jackson from Cincinnati, torn pectoral, and then Senquez Golson from Pittsburgh has got a Liz Frank injury. So yeah. this really helps AFC North wide receivers. Um, Senquez Golson was a second year cornerback, I believe, and William Jackson is a safety, right? No, William Jackson was that uh, sawed-off corner from Houston okay. that that Pittsburgh actually wanted, and if memory serves me right, Cincinnati took him, uh, and Pittsburgh was kind of left, kind of fumbling on what to do. Um, so, he, and they they were they well, go figure, they were raving about this guy, but th- they might call Leon Hall up from what I read today, and Leon Hall might come in and uh, play some corner for him like he has in the past. Yeah, I mean, again, you know, it's never good to see. It's never good for the the, the incumbent team to see their guys go down this early in camp, uh, especially with long term injuries. Torn Pack and Liz Frank are not short term injuries. Yeah. So, so the AFC North wide receivers from uh, Baltimore and Cleveland will be enjoying uh, a little bit more roam or area to roam around the, the field without William Jackson, Senquez Golson in the lineups at the beginning of the season. But let's yeah. get into some yeah. training. Let's. Get into some training camp battles. Uh, first, we'll start off with the Patriots, just because 
that the Patriots are the best team in the world. Um, outside wide receiver, right now we're looking at a couple guys who were signed um, and, and one incumbent player um, this offseason in order to come in and, and fill that void that the Patriots have sorely been missing ever since the days of really Randy Moss. Brandon LaFell was pretty solid two years ago. But last year he turned back into the you know the, the the pizza paddle hands guy that he is, and just failed to make an impact for the Patriots, and and they sorely lacked a, a consistent and solid outside wide receiver. But Mark, I know you really like a guy, Chris Hogan, who who the Patriots were able to get from the Bills, signed him to a four year deal, three or four year deal. I think it was three years. I'm sorry, um, and we know him from Hard Knocks, Seven Eleven always open. Uh, tell me what you like about Chris Hogan. Well, I know the Bills were really sad to see him go, and uh, I mean New England, and I mean he fits that New England system—that smart wide receiver, plays hard, special teams too on the side, kind of came up through that, knows how to grind. I think he runs great routes. I think he can get a. I think he can get catches. I, I do. I think he. He actually has some uh, relevance in fantasy football. I mean, I, I I don't know if you could say that he's like these other guys, but I'm gonna make an argument that Danny Amendola is so much better off than Chris Hogan. You know, so uh, right there, if you call that a starting point, Chris Hogan has some uh, value. No, I, I agree 100. Uh, percent You know, I mentioned Baron LaFell, and you know, last year he missed the first six games or the first six weeks with a calf injury. But the year before, in 2014, he had a great season: 74 catches, 953 yards, and seven touchdowns. So I'm not going to say that Chris Hogan's going to have a s- similar numbers to that, or the same exact numbers as that. But th- I mean, that's definitely his ceiling. Uh, you're still obviously with the with the Brady suspension. The, the quarterback situation is going to be a little bit more um, touch and go, obviously, with Jimmy Garoppolo because we're not sure what he can do. Yeah. And also now with Martellus Bennett on the field soaking up some targets, you're probably not going to see 74 catches from Hogan. But I, I really think that you know 55 to 60 catches with about 800 yards and maybe five touchdowns is, are really good numbers for him and, and, and really definitely could happen. So he's but probably – When's this guy? I mean, you're not going to start Chris Hogan in the first four to five weeks of the season. No, you know you're he's drafting. A he's a backup. Yeah, he's a backup. You want him to be your wide receiver five, wide receiver six. If you're starting yep. three, let him sit on the bench, stash him. Brady comes back, maybe an injury, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, bye week. Ah, oh, you know, Chris Hogan upside five Absolutely. catches, fifty five yards. Absolutely. I mean, what do you? I mean, what do you think, Burris? I mean, you kind of like these dudes too. You like oh, them on your fantasy team. I like watching Chris Hogan play. I don't know if he adds a ton of value for for a, a fantasy team as far as like anything above a wide receiver five. He's, in my opinion, I don't know how much he's going to see the field over Amendola and uh, Jules because I think they're going to take Bennett, put him and attach him to the uh, O line, and then you got Gronk on the outside. So right there. He's how is he getting on the field? He's not going to get as many touches. I think you overvalued him a little bit, saying he's going to have fifty catches. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't see it. Eh, well, I don't I see don't, it. I mean, that's uh, Burris. That's three catches a game. Yeah, and Edelman's would, Edelman's okay. purely in the slot, and Amendola's more of a. You're not going to see him on the outside all that much. He's really more of a spelling Edelman, exactly situational yeah, and spelling yeah. Edelman in the slot. I just don't remember the, the, Chris Hogan being a a true X or a Z outside. I remember him being more of that inside slot threat for yeah, the Bills but they and then for the, the Dolphins before that when he didn't make the team. 
Right, but the the Patriots gave him money to be be their outside guy because they don't sure. have. I mean, they they signed Nate Washington, who has a one year deal and is might not make the team out of camp. Uh, I mentioned Aaron Dobson, who had a great rookie season and then really hasn't done much since then. And then they drafted Malcolm Mitchell out of the fourth uh, in the fourth round out of Georgia. So. They have to play an outside wide receiver. They just can't be putting all these white guys in the slot, you know? Um, I, I think that just Hogan was signed to be the outside receiver. He's got the size for it. He's got the skill set for it. He's got sure hands. I mean, he had a great year. Well, not a great year, but he had a solid year with Buffalo last year. I picked him up in a few fantasy leagues. It was a 16-teamer, so obviously deep benches. You really had to go find those free agents. Um, but I, I think that Hogan, his role in this team will be that outside outside receiver so i see this he's he's six one luke 210 you know and he had he had what 36 catches last year for buffalo who who didn't throw the ball a lot you know he had he was a a third receiver in buffalo too behind robert woods and simi walk he had he had six catches twice uh he had five catches in a game two six catch games so i mean there's a ton of opportunity he didn't start great i mean the guy had I'm looking at it now. He had 10 catches in the first six weeks of the season. Right. So you're looking at the back 10 games, and you're saying to yourself, he had 26 catches. Well, he's got Tyrod Taylor throwing the ball. So who knows, you know? I mean, true. from an upside standpoint, we're talking deep sleepers. Hey, not a bad value guy. I mean, what else are you going to get in the 11th and 12th round in a 14-team right. draft? Right, and I just think that he, he will have first shot at the outside receiver position starting position for the Patriots and when you have Tom Brady throwing you the ball that just increases your value immensely so well you're not starting Chris Hogan I don't no, see it especially no, not no no not four, no, but no. uh yeah you're definitely no, not starting him things happen yeah you know? right? knows. and all of a sudden all of a sudden you're in a pinch at wide receiver I act honestly I started Chris Hogan in that 16 team league last year just because by weeks injuries I needed a, a player and I found him on the free agent waiver wire and I got him. So he is one of those guys where, like like Mark said, you're, you're probably going to take him 11th, 12th round as your wide receiver 5, wide receiver 6, and you're going to stash him. He's, he's, yeah. better, he's better than uh, you know, a rookie like, I don't know, Will Fuller or something like that from Houston. He's, he's a solid player that's going to have a big role on a pass-happy team. So, you know, that, that, again, there's you know, not a ton of outside receivers in New England, so I just think just yeah. by default he, he's going to have a ton of playing time. Uh, I have to disagree on the Will Fuller comp. I would take Will Fuller, Will Fuller before I'm taking uh, Kevin Hogan. I think he's much more of a deep threat. And, and the that's top off why Jerry Nate never makes the playoffs because you're going to take Will Fuller, the third wide receiver on a team with Brock Osweiler throwing him the ball. So he can. He got a hose. Let it. Let just take the top off, baby. Take Will Fuller. Take him. Um, Wait, we're really quick to end this Chris Hogan thing. Where do you go to college? Monmouth. Monmouth, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Is he the uh, only player from Monmouth to be in the NBA or the NFL? Uh, I don't know. There's got to be someone I else. Can't Monmouth think of anybody. NFL players. Google will tell me real quick. And I mean, I got yeah, I to gotta figure that it has to be. Has to be. Let's be honest. Monmouth's that team that makes March Madness like once every five or six years, and they're usually right. on the fifteen sixteen line. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, we, we there is a player, and I, I can't believe where'd Miles Austin go? Miles Austin went to Monmouth. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, I knew that. I knew that. There you go. Other yeah. than that, we had a uh, Jug Earp who played from nineteen twenty one to nineteen thirty two, and I'm going to give credit to worth thirty one to thirty seven, and Ned Scott nineteen twenty four. So. Jared Crow, that's Jared Crow right there, the Monmouth Miles Austin. <laughs> that's great. 
I mean, so yeah, the wide receiver race, it really comes down to Hogan being the outside wide receiver. I, I'm hoping that Aaron Dobson can do something. He had great college tape, but really has never put it together in the pros. Malcolm Mitchell, fourth round player. He's been studying his playbook like crazy. Uh, the word is that he's he's done a good job of picking up the plays, which is very tough for a rookie in the New England offense because it's a very complex offense. But I still don't see him making a major impact this year. But this transition just to, to the running back position and, and more of the big back position because we know that if Deion Lewis is healthy, he's the third down, the Kevin Falk, Danny Woodhead, Shane Vereen type. Um, and if he's not healthy, then that's James White's role. But we have a name, LeGarrette Blunt, who seems to really only excel against the Colts. And other than that, he's a pretty mediocre player. Coming off a hip injury, signed a one-year deal after testing the free agent market and really just getting a bunch of cold offers or, or no offers whatsoever. Came back to New England on a prove-it prove it deal. Uh, Donald Brown, who Mark has hated since day one. I remember when he got drafted by the Chargers, and I, I, I mentioned to Mark, hey, should I draft him in my rookie in my rookie league? And I just got, really, he sucks. This guy sucks. And um, so ever since then, I, whenever I think of Donald Brown, I, I think of you, Mark. So I, I appreciate that. UConn. UConn went to UConn, so I, I was a little because I'm I'm from New England. I was a little uh, you know pro Donald Brown, but then I remember that wait he went to UConn, so he really can't be that good at, at football. And we've seen it; he's been a bust. Uh, the the Patriots took a flyer on him. Again, you know he he's on the team. I don't think he. It's fifty fifty if he makes a team out of camp. I think they need a backup running back like him because the other guys I'm about to mention just really don't bring much to the table. So if 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 LeGarrette Blunt goes down with another injury or if he just continues to be mediocre, uh, I think that Donald Brown, sadly enough, might be a decent option by default. But the other the other guys on the roster are Brandon Bolden, who has never really he's had a few decent games as the main running back. I think he's had like one 100 yard game. Uh, but other than that, he's more of a special teams ace. And then we have Joey Iosefa and Tyler Gaffney, who Iosefa is just a, a big dude who will run forward for about three yards and fall down like a Mike Allstott type. Tyler Gaffney's nothing more than a camp body. So this really surprised me, the fact they didn't bring anybody in other than LeGarrette Blunt, knowing that there was going to be some sort of suspension potentially for Tom Brady. And realistically, I don't think they plan on having Jimmy Garoppolo throw the ball 50 times a game in games one through four. So, I mean, Mark, where do you see this running back battle shaping up? Is it going to be LeGarrette Blunt? Is it going to be a mix of Blunt and Donald Brown? I mean, what do you expect? I have no idea, and I've, I never do. And usually we come to the draft, and, and you usually have a heads-up on things and you draft accordingly with it i mean we're around cleveland so jerry and i can speak to that of cleveland players but when it comes to new england uh, belichick he's great with his uh with his poker face and i mean you know Dion lewis is going to be all right are they gonna is he gonna jump right into it burris i feel like you've had donald brown for uh a couple <laughs> uh a, a couple years i i feel well, like he's been on your team highly uh i think two years ago and uh paid dearly for that one you tell us about donald brown because oh i'll tell you he's god awful don't draft him. <laughs> 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 i didn't make the playoffs what else you want me to say mark <sighs> I, I guess that's all we need to talk about with that <laughs> well i mean like like mark you say that i i know a little bit more coming into uh 
coming into the draft, the fantasy draft, and, and you know as much as I do. Because no, I'll give you an example. I'll give you an, I'll give you great examples. Okay. When I we got burned on Randy Moss, us Northeast Ohio people, and Jerry, correct me if I'm wrong on any of this. We got burned on Randy Moss. Randy Moss goes out, has a great little career with the Pats. You know when he was there. So, you know, I'm thinking, hey, I'll get ahead of the curve. Chad Johnson's there. I'll take a guy that has talent. <laughs> so I take Chad Johnson or Chad Ochocinco. Ochocinco. Yeah, and what happens? He shits the bed. Uh, so where are we at on this? I have no well, idea. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. I was in Vegas. So that was the lockout year. And I was in Vegas when they signed Ochocinco and Albert Hainsworth on the same day. Yeah. I was in the Monte Carlo pool drinking multiple shark teas and in the lazy river yelling, we have Chad Ochocinco, we have Albert Hainsworth, Super Bowl. So I was right you on board. Those, you were one of those I, guys. I was, I, was, I was about two shark teas deep, which is 20 shots of vodka, give or take. And I, I, I thought they were going to the Super Bowl just because of Ochocinco and Albert Hainsworth. So I was 150. 50% on board with you on that on that signing. And that just ended up that I mentioned with uh, Malcolm Mitchell that the Patriots playbook is so difficult to to absorb for a rookie receiver. And for Ocho Cinco's case, he went from being on a team in Cincinnati where apparently their playbook wasn't as challenging to to absorb, and he went to a brand new offense. He just never got on the same page as Tom That's Brady. That's great for us to hear, us Cleveland people who have a Cincinnati coach now. Yeah, and you have Chad Ocho Cinco as a receiver's helping out. Right. Well, he left. Did you see that? He, he, he left. He, he had to go back, tell his he, daughter. Came back though. He's he's, he's back, back for good. Oh jeez, what a nightmare. So so I really don't know what the running back situation is going to shape up like. I think that it's going to be if Legarrette Blunt's healthy. Obviously, he's going to be the number one guy. However, I just don't know how good that's going to be. I mean, he's he was pretty mediocre, if not bad, last year. So bad, in fact, that nobody wanted to sign him, and he's recovering from a, a mysterious hip injury that kept him out for the rest of the season. Uh, behind him, it's a very thin depth chart. If Donald Brown's your number two option, that's that's oh. not pretty, that's not pretty. So, from a fantasy oh. purpose, I I would stay away from the Patriots running back situation. Even like I mentioned on on the last podcast where we talked about Deion Lewis in like the third round of fantasy football drafts, I'd even stay away from Deion Lewis because he tore his ACL in Week Seven. As we know by experience, it usually takes at least a year for a player to come back from a torn ACL. So early on, I- I'm petrified of touching Deion Lewis. So right now, the most fantasy valuable running back in the Patriots roster might be James White. And if that's the case, stay away from this running back, from the Patriots running back. It's, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it. Um, I was surprised they didn't try to make a move for a veteran running back. Like I mentioned, you have Jimmy Garoppolo. Do you really want him to throw the football fifty times? I don't think you. I think you want to have a, a decent running back to be a somewhat of a workhorse and to touch the ball fifteen to twenty times a game. The problem was there weren't a ton of running backs out there in the free agent market. You know, Arian Foster was the the most prominent name, and he's coming off the, the torn Achilles, which Mark, you know all about that, so I'm sure you yeah. can comment on that. <laughs> but um, it, it just maybe there wasn't just enough out there for them. I was a little bit surprised they didn't draft a, a running back in the third round. We've seen them in the past waste or use a second and third round pick on Shane Vereen and Stephen Ridley. Belichick decided not to go that route. 
Um, so it'll be really interesting to see how this running back situation shapes up and, and whether or not the Patriots try to sign uh, a journeyman backup to to come in and, and provide some depth for this team because as of right now, I, I'm I'm just not not looking forward to seeing what the Patriots are going to do on third and two or in third and one with Jimmy Garoppolo behind or under center. So, um, you know, some training camp battles you have to worry about that have some sort of fantasy impact on your team from the Patriots. Obviously, with the wide receivers, Chris Hogan's nothing more than a backup, but he's a good player to keep an eye on in regards to receivers. And then for running backs. Like I mentioned, as a Patriots fan, as a diehard, I'm not touching any of these running backs. I suggest you stay away as well. Uh, if Dion Lewis slips to you in the sixth or seventh round, then maybe you can think about it. But at his current third-round ADP, it, it's it's really, really not worth it. But let's go into the Cleveland Browns, and, and this is why we have Mark on. Not only do we have Mark on to talk fantasy football, but there are, there are a few people that I know that have more passion than in Cleveland Browns football then one MZ18. Uh, Rue, Rusty Phillips might have a little bit, a little more passion, but it, uh, <laughs> it, it might be uh, explained a different way than Mark. Mark's a little bit, a little bit more rational than Rue. Um, but, Mark, let's talk about these running backs. Um, obviously, Isaiah Crowell's been in the news recently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he is all right. Hi, he's a very good artist. What are you, what are your thoughts on him coming into the season? Yeah, who knows? Isaiah Crow is obviously not going to be taken early for running backs. Running backs aren't going to be going off the board really really quick either in the first round, in my opinion. Not even much in the second round. I don't know. Who knows? So when you when you look at Isaiah Crow, you got to think to yourself, a seventh, eighth round, somewhere back there. Uh, and then you're saying to yourself, next, you know, are you mad that he's your RB4, RB3? You don't want this guy being your RB1, RB2, obviously. Are you mad if he's your RB3? Yeah, probably. Are you happy if he's your RB4? Yes. So you got to anticipate the Browns. Jerry, what do you think? Are they going to use this guy like Jeremy Hill? Hugh Jackson's been talking him up, likes him. It seems, and, like, it seems like Jackson likes having a bigger back and more of a yeah. scat back with uh, pass-catching abilities. And that's what you have with the two. But Crows, you know, his publicity took a huge hit with his, you know, anti-cop posts he made on the Instagram. And, you know, he's made some apologies and – Cleveland's notorious for its um, its pro cop stance and defense of it, and you know there's even been some crazy statements by uh, the p- the police union saying that they're not going to work Browns games and stuff like that. You know, it's I, I don't see it happening, but so Crow's got to get you know a little bit back in the good graces of Cleveland. I think when it comes to the offense, though, I think it's going to be a fifty fifty split. I think Duke Johnson ends up being the the leader in fantasy points just because of the more reception. So if if I'm going to be drafting Isaiah Corral, I like you said it's going to be at the R uh, RB three, preferably RB four spot. Yeah. Well, hey, here's, the th- here's the thing, Crowell. I think last year he was just very inconsistent from a yeah. fantasy standpoint. You know, one week he'd score you five points, and the next week he'd score you fifteen points, and it was just very bipolar, pretty much. One, he was great one week and very mediocre the next week, and you know, not watching the Browns on a daily, on a weekly basis, maybe that was more game flow. Um, but I, I think that Mark, you brought up a good point about about Hugh Jackson and kind of the thunder and lightning type running back situation he had in Cincinnati. Obviously. Jeremy Hill was the big back who got the goal line carries and and was a pretty solid fantasy player last year, even though it was a down season as compared to his rookie year. And Gio Bernard, who we talked about last week, 
is is a great he's a dynamic running back. He can not only run the ball between the tackles, but he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. And he's a great PPR back. And I really think that between Duke Johnson and Isaiah Crowell, you have a very similar situation. So while Duke Johnson might be a better fantasy option this year and might put up more consistent points, I think Crowell is a decent bi-week or injury fill-in. Uh, RB3, RB4, you're probably going to have to get him right around the seventh or eighth round, which isn't terrible value for a player like that. In, in a decent offense, he could be pushing 170 carries, you know, about 800 rushing yards, maybe five or six touchdowns. Um, but I don't think it's going to be consistent. So, Did you use but, the word decent describing the Cleveland Browns offense, by the way? That's the <laughs> nicest thing you've ever said about us. Well, well, you know, I've, um, I have, um, you know, I've had a, a beer and a half, so maybe I'm looking at things a little slanted right now. We got to put it this way too for you, Luke, because we we live this, and uh, I mean, you're pretty solid with Cleveland Browns, not only from living it and watching it, but l- let's call a spade a spade. I mean, how many games do you think that we're going to be running the ball with a bruiser in between the tackles? I mean, not RG3, many. RG3, he does have some upside. He, he did a, a lot in the offseason, which I appreciate. But let's call, you know, this guy, <laughs> he's turnover prone. If we turn right. the ball over and get down, Isaiah Crow is not in the ball game. So if you're depending on a guy that's not – we need – I'd be happy to have Isaiah Crowell as my RB3 if we were – winning games and by that i mean we were in charge of the scoreboard because then we could control the clock run the ball a little bit but we're gonna be losing well is that is that is that what you know that's what i was kind of alluding to with his bipolar scores last year Uh, i'm looking at i'm well i'm looking at one game in particular that we know very well because we were in vegas celebrating it uh against the ravens where the, the the browns won he had 13 rushes for 49 yards, not great, but he had two receptions, 38 yards, and a touchdown. So he's able, able to produce from a fantasy standpoint uh, in a game they won. But then we have, uh, and unfortunately, I don't know the score off the top of my head, but at the Rams, do you remember if they if they won that game? No. No. Probably, okay. no. So, so he, had eight carry, he had eight carries for nine. He got 13 at 16 chance of getting that one, right? <laughs> Well, I figure against the Rams with Case Keenum at quarterback, there's at least an opportunity better than 50-50 shot that that they might have won the game. <laughs> but um, but you know what I mean? Like so, so no, you have a great point, and that's why I guess maybe pick and choose your battles. You have to take a look and see. Okay, is it a home game? Are the Browns favored? Do they have a chance of winning this game? Because in that case, then you know game flow will dictate whether or not Crowell is going to have a decent game. Obviously, with Duke Johnson, and why I mentioned that he's going to be a much better fantasy option is that even when they're down. He's going to be the second or third option in the passing game out of the backfield, and, and you know the, the Browns right now are talking him up as a seventy catch receiver. Um, I don't the know. Media, the media, the media is the media is. Well, but but does he have that potential? I mean, oh, absolutely. He had fifty some odd catches last year as a rookie. I don't see why he can't improve on that. Well, I do remember uh, the other day Joe Thomas being interviewed, and he did say that he feels this offensive line uh, play is, or the the playbook is well suited for the offensive line because there's a lot of built-in screens to the tailback. There's a lot of things that make things easier uh, on the old line. So if that's the case, and they're doing a lot more screens for him, you know, that just leads to more receptions and a higher fantasy number in our PPR league. It's fine. 61 catches last year for 534 receiving yards. Well, maybe so, that's it then, you know? Right. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, in his first two games, he actually had zero receptions. So, 
if you look at it, he's probably close to 70 receptions last year if he gets a couple catches in weeks one and weeks two. So, um, yeah, from a fantasy standpoint, Duke Johnson's the way to go. He's your he's your RB2, probably going to be drafted in the fourth round or so. Isaiah Crowell, more of an RB3, RB4. Um, but a player that I've seen a lot on, and, and Mark, I'm hopefully you can give me some information on this guy so I can try to pick him up as a sleeper in a few leagues. But Trell Watson from Azusa Pacific, what, what's what's he all about? <laughs> so here's the low, well, really quick too, because I looked this up. Hugh Jackson, when he was head coach out and uh, head uh, offense coordinator, head coach out in Oakland, because we're talking about that Thunder and Lightning, Jeremy Hill, Geo. His running backs when he was in Oakland were stinking Michael Bush and Darren McFadden. I mean, much of the same of this big Michael Bush, big power back. And then, you know, Darren McFadden, you're a little bit faster, kind of slasher type back. You're going to so, be injured for, and both were injured oh gosh, for yeah. how, many, how many weeks combined? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you, all, you have, you, good point, though. Good point. You have uh, yeah, the thunder and lightning. That, that's Hugh Jackson's bread and butter. Yeah, so Terrell Watson, Division two running back, played on the Cincinnati, played on Cincinnati Bengals practice squad last year. Hugh Jackson gets the head coaching job in Cleveland, obviously. Uh, and one of his, you know, really quick by the t- when he got the job was go snag Terrell Watson running back at Azusa Pacific uh, from Cincinnati's uh, practice squad. So, so it's, yeah, it's so huge, a big dude. I think he's like 6'2", 230, Luke. Yeah, but that's Peyton Hill's size, right? Uh, yeah, 6'1", yeah. 240, yeah. So, yeah. so Hugh knows about this guy. Uh, I think Terrell Watson's a player to definitely keep an eye on because – Isaiah Crowell is not a dynamic player. He's not, he doesn't have a firm firm hold in the starting running back job. If he struggles, uh, Hugh's going to bring in a guy that he knows, and, and Terrell Watson could be an option. So I wouldn't suggest drafting him on draft day, but definitely keep him on your watch list and, and, and keep an eye on him in case Dynasty. you pick him up in waivers. Dynasty is a good option as well. Yeah. You know, if you, have a, if you have a long bench or you have a taxi squad, feel free to put him on there because it, it really can't hurt. Um, yeah. But, but let's talk some wide receivers real quick. Obviously, we mentioned last week about Josh Gordon being reinstated to the NFL. Congratulations. Um, however, he will miss four games, which I just feel like that was just, uh, you know, Goodell pulled a Goodell and and looked at the target, uh, the dartboard and just threw a dart and said, all right, we'll, we'll bring it back, but you have a four-game suspension. Um, I don't understand how you can kick him out of the league for a year and then give him four more games. But, again, I, I don't know why Roger Goodell does have the things he does. But obviously, in week five against New England, Josh wow. Gordon will probably line up as the number one wide receiver. But the Browns have a bunch of wide receivers that they not only drafted, but they had left over from last year. Uh, Burris, who do you think are some of the receivers that are going to be able to step up and kind of fill that void, not only lining up on the outside, but also in the slot for the Browns this year? Well, I think your starting number one going into week game one is going to be Corey Coleman. Uh, they drafted him for a reason. They like his skill set. He's got some speed. He's he got a great vertical game. The things that I learned to do is run the professional route tree. Um, that Baylor offense is not suited for, you know, doing the very specific timing cuts that you see in some of the more West Coast style offenses. But he's he's going to learn, and he's got the skill set. He's got the size. He's six two. Uh, he's definitely got the speed. Um, you're going to see Andrew Hawkins. He's a, uh, 
blazer when it comes to getting you know from here to there in his short amount of time um under 10 yards but he's not going to take the top off against you know some of the better defenses but he, he's a reliable wide receiver here's the issue he he can like walk underneath me without uh bending over he's very short we all know that but he is a huge jackson guy he was in cincinnati with him um you're gonna see it but i think the most reliable guy coming back this season is gary barnage by by far um He's he was Mr. Reliable last year, I believe over a thousand yards, first tight end in Cleveland over a thousand yards since um did Winslow ever go over a thousand yards? K two. K two. K two. I, I you gotta think he did, didn't he? I mean he, he had a that couple one year in 07, they had a monster year between him and Braylon Edwards. I can't believe we're mentioning those two on this podcast, <laughs> but um they, that's probably your dude. And not only is that good for Cleveland. Like he, he was kind of like that Joe Thomas cult hero on our offense. Um, Cleveland loves this guy. Kellen Winslow, in fact, in 2007 did go over a thousand yards, 82 catches for 1106 yards with five touchdowns. And don't forget that was our, the year we went 10 and six and didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. I think that was the Derek Anderson year when he had like 30 touchdowns and uh, something like that. He had a great year, 27 touchdowns, something. Do you know back in uh, on March fifth, Winslow was on uh, on a radio interview and said he was going to make a comeback. How'd that work oh. out, Kellen? Oh yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> he's a soldier. yeah. I'll yeah. never forget Kellen Winslow yeah. DJing at Panini's uh, in Berea. <laughs> um, I looked up and he's sitting there and he was just like he's wearing all camo and and which is sad because of the whole soldier comment. Carmen, he was, he was with he, Carmen. He was playing. Destiny's Child Soldier. It was it was very embarrassing. And he was uh, he, he was dating Carmen. Oh, was he really? Carmen Car- Ford. Yeah, she was sexy. Whatever happened yeah. to her? Yeah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> she probably got kids. Hope she listens. <laughs> Kel Winslow. Uh. We were also talking about Braylon Edwards when I was serving at the Olive Garden in uh, Middleburg Heights. Uh, we used to have Browns players coming all the time. I served uh, Willie McGinnis, and you know a bunch of the linemen yeah, always sat at the bar. But Kel, uh, Braylon Edwards came in one time. It was right after his ACL surgery, or during, you know, he was recovering from his ACL surgery. And like a true gentleman, he um, he left his bag of ice um, that was all over his bloody oh, wow. Just oh. just left it there for us. So uh, didn't get much for it on eBay, but uh, I do appreciate that, Braylon. So wherever you're listening, um, thank you for that for that uh, that token of your appreciation. Are you serious? Really? Like you were happy with that? No. We need okay. to spend a whole podcast going back over your time as a server at Olive Garden. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that. Oh. It was, what a good time. I can still sing the song. All right, we're going to move on birthday. now. I'm just going to say that because I don't want to – yeah. Well, real quick, let's talk about a couple more of the, uh, the rookie wide receivers. Mark, I, I, don't, I don't know much about these guys whatsoever, but you got to figure they, – well, they drafted like four this year. So uh, do any of them have a shot of cracking the starting lineup or at least being serviceable, serviceable players this year? Corey Coleman will start. He's a solid player, strong. Well, had a lot but, of, uh, but we, we know Corey Coleman, but what about, what about the other Oh, guys? you're talking – yeah, I mean, so we got Ricardo Lewis out of Auburn. We got uh, Hollywood Higgins from Colorado State. We got Jordan Payton from UCLA. Uh, Seth Devolve, Devolve, Devolve from Princeton, who's going to play some tight end for us. He's really a mystery type guy. Burris would love him. He's uh, – He's got all white and slow. Love that guy. No, he's not slow, Burst. That's the thing, Jerry. We're talking. This guy, he ran a four six something at the combine. Uh, Extremely smart. Obviously, went to Princeton. I don't know what the deal is on him that he didn't get 
that he didn't get looks in the draft, but the, the Browns high priority undrafted free agent. Uh, well, I'm sorry that no, he, he didn't get a lot. Of, he, he got drafted. drafted. I'm sorry. Yeah. He got drafted. I was thinking about this other guy that that's a tight end that they got too that I was going to talk about, but who knows with this guy? He's got to stay healthy. He's having hamstring issues. So if they can keep this guy healthy, he's got like Luke. He's got a uh, he's got a Ben Watson build. Well, so he so, so he's an absolute animal physically, but can't catch a football. Uh, well, we'll see. We'll see. Because the best uh, play Ben Watson ever made in his career was tracking down Champ Bailey in the end zone um, and, and forcing a fumble that should have been a touchback for the Patriots, but uh, I don't yeah. want to get into that. Um, so with these so. other guys, I mean, Jordan. I think Jordan Payton gets cut. There's just not a lot there. I don't see explosiveness. They really like Hollywood Higgins. He's playing pretty well, uh, so he'll make the squad. Um, yeah, Ricardo, your, boy, your boy Grossi as uh, Hawkins as the two and Higgins as a three. Yeah, yeah, that's where I think Higgins is going to play. But I think Higgins could slide outside too. I mean, Higgins made had a ton of catches at Colorado State. He had Not, huge production in Colorado State. Huge. Uh, did you? I think there was that one thing when we drafted him that uh, the analytics. Ooh, I know that's a buzzword, but <laughs> some of the analytics said that he was the number two receiver in the whole draft. Uh, wow. <laughs> for 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 that for whatever scale they had, so I think the Browns saw it as a value move. Ricardo Lewis, uh, my brother doesn't like Sean. Was your guest speaker a couple times? He's not a big Ricardo Lewis guy. <laughs> he's our guest speaker. <laughs> yeah, he comes. He talks. He's, every gonna, day. he's giving a lecture at uh, at our uh, dissertation or something. Well, he was on your show. He was on he your was. show. So we'll just Cor- refer chorus, to that as correspondent. 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 Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. The, Ricardo Lewis in one video was getting screamed at by Hugh Jackson because he wasn't doing what he's supposed to be doing. Right. And in the same video, all you saw Hugh Jackson was constantly talking and coaching up Corey Coleman. And every time they showed Hugh Jackson, Corey Coleman was to his left, like it, just every single time. So I like that, that Hugh's really taken, taken to these rookies and is trying to coach them up because – Jerry will tell you, we, we haven't had any rookie talent. I, I don't know how to tell you. Well, we haven't had any rookie talent in Cleveland. Do you remember Manziel, Jack, Manziel and Gilbert? What about them? Do you remember how jacked up we were about Carlton Mitchell from Florida uh, Atlantic? South or Florida. Sor- South Florida. South Florida. <laughs> <But let's, laughs> That's how bad stunk. it was. We thought he was a speedster. We're like, yeah. oh, he's taking the top off this year. Chad Jones drafted him. Yes, he did. <laughs> he drafted him in like the 12th round and was proud of it. Hey, oh, Lou, good segue here. Justin Gilbert, guess what he was in the news for today? Being a dumbass? Oh, close. Uh, him and uh, Corey Coleman got in a huge fist fight at practice oh, today. Oh, good, good. Yeah. That, that, that's a way to keep your spot on the team, Justin. He also yeah. got uh, mossed Jesus. by Terrell Pryor, I read, too. <laughs> well, so, actually, that's another guy I want to talk about real quick. So Terrell Pryor, what's up with him? I mean, is he... We've we've always been. It seems like it's been like ten years since we, he came into the NFL uh, under certain circumstances uh, after leaving Ohio State with some questionable some body uh, art. He had body right, art. right. So you know, Terrell Pryor's bounced around from from the Raiders to the Bengals and the Browns, and then off the Browns and back on the Browns. Is he an option at all to make this team? Uh, I think he makes the team. I don't think they're going to waste it. I think Hugh Jackson considers him a pet project. I also am worried about he's like, Hugh he's like twenty-seven. Like, how long can he be a pet? pet he's project? not that old. He's not that old. He's he's younger than Josh Gordon, I believe. Uh, uh Josh Gordon's twenty-five. I'm gonna have to check that. I will check, check that, that out. Right. Check. Uh, can we have a research team look that up? Yep, I got gotcha. you. But anyway, Hugh Jackson, I think, and this is what I worry Trail about. Trail Pyre, twenty-seven. 
Boom. I stand corrected. Nice job, Jerry. Jesus. No, Jerry got it wrong. I got it right. Oh, you said 27? Said, he said he younger did. than Josh Gordon. Jesus Christ. Anyway, you're right. You're right. You're Listen, right. I'm always right when it comes to whatever Jerry and I are talking about. We know. Who was our coach th- last year, Luke? You're uh, <laughs> like the team. Anyway, what I was trying to say is I feel like Hugh Jackson might also have kind of like that uh, that weird girl that you went to high school with that tried to that way too many pets. He's got all these people he just doesn't want to give up on, and you know it feels like he can save everybody. I hope he doesn't keep Pryor just for that reason. Like if Pryor can't get the job done and you crack like the starting squad every once in a while or or maybe you be a, a matchup option for somebody, then don't waste our time. Like get rid of him. But right. if it's because we're yeah. only keeping him yeah. because Josh Gordon's out for the first four games, well, it doesn't hurt anything because Josh Gordon doesn't uh, go against our ros- roster uh, total. You're spot on, Jerry. I mean, you're absolutely spot on. Well, to be you, honest man. with you guys too. <laughs> Hugh Jackson, I think, coming in, being so tight with, with Jim A and D, uh, to me, it's just like he's keeping him. He, he's partially on as our coach because he can motivate, get these guys enthusiastic, and he can take these projects that are deep-level players and get them up to a B level in a year. And I think that's the main reason Hugh Jackson – and. I hope he can do it. I don't see it with Terrell Pryor. I see guy. I see slow, even though he's fast as all get up when he's running a straight line. But I see slow get not quick, coming out of his you know turns and everything else. And I just don't see it with Terrell Pryor now. Is he huge? Did he make the best play in training camp on day two? Uh, yeah, I mean he, he can make plays every now and then. The guy's a freak athlete. I just hope that uh, he gets some quickness and plays a little lower and has a little bit of explosive quickness to him because I, I have I didn't even see that at Ohio State like explosive quickness I just saw yeah. when he had some open lanes no, he's a he could take straight he could just stride and and he can make it look so easy that he's not even running it doesn't even look like he's running hard but he's flying but you got to be you got to be you got to be freaking quick as all get up if you want to if you want to play a wide receiver in the NFL I mean yeah, he he, just he's definitely play. an athlete. He's definitely an athlete, and it'll be very interesting to see if that, you know, if Hugh Jackson can turn this pet project into some sort of NFL receiver. Uh, I, I tend to agree with you, Mark. I don't see it happening. No. Um, but it really doesn't matter unless you have a decent player throwing him the ball. So this is the perfect segue into the last training camp battle we have in Cleveland that we probably know who's going to win. Um, but RG3 versus Josh McCown versus Cody Kessler. We know Kessler's. Probably not going to win this battle. Um, it comes down to RG3 and Josh McCown. But is there any way you see week one uh, Josh McCown under center versus RG3? No. RG3 would be the quarterback. He'll be named in the next five days. So, it's really so, that simple. I mean, his interviews, Luke, I know people are like, oh, interviews are stupid. But, but let's be honest. In the fr- you said all we need to hear about training camp the first three days about guys playing it's overrated we don't need to know how guys are playing the first three days of training camp yeah it, it may it, who cares it doesn't matter uh, everyone's awesome but what we need to know in the first three days of training camp are these interviews i think those are the most important things and my reasoning why is i want to know did they do their work for the last two and a half three months that's the most important thing to me are they going to come in a training camp are they going to be dead are they going to come into training camp and be alive because they put the work in and I'm not a big RG3 supporter. I don't. I didn't like how he played. He has giddy feet. Reminds me of Brady Quinn. Throws the ball off, off one foot too much. But 
he I'll tell you this his his interviews this week have been excellent and he there's no doubt in my mind he 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 put in a ton of work uh he's been which working is, with Hugh Jackson which so. is something that which is something that I feel like he didn't do in Washington he really relied on his his um his elite athleticism to really propel him to be the the rookie of the year back in 2012 and then, you know, in 2013, I feel like he might have got a little lazy with his with his preparation for games. And then obviously the injuries came into play. And then the head coaching change came into play in 2015. So all of a sudden, you know, RG3 really doesn't have a spot on this Washington Redskins team. And I really think that this is a good opportunity for him to kind oh. of... I think it's I think it's a good opportunity for him to kind of kind of right the ship, and we're going to know within the first eight games if RG three did put in the work, yeah, and whether, and whether or not he can be an NFL quarterback because obviously the talent's there. I don't think that he's a Vince Young type where he's just going to will his way to a few wins his rookie year. I really think he's far more athletic and far more talented and far more, uh, you know, a lot more smarter than Vince Young was. So, and and he says the right. I, he says the right things, as corny as it can be sometimes. You know, we've oh. quoted, we've quoted the no pressure, no diamonds, but he's not going to be one of those guys who is going to just sit there and complain. He kept his mouth shut last year throughout the whole time in Washington, which took a lot. It took a lot of balls to do that because, again, he went from being the rookie of the year to all of a sudden he's not even dressing up on game day. And I think he's more talented than than um, Kirk Cousins was. I mean, Kirk Cousins played well last year. But RG three, there's no question he's a, he's a better athlete than than Kirk Cousins. So, um, well, I hope you're right. I I think all of us up in Cleveland hope you're right because he has a gigantic target and Josh Gordon coming back. Mm-hmm. He's got a speedster, quick dude and Corey Coleman to throw to, and he's got a tight end that is huge, that is tough as nails, and that catches balls over the middle without having any regard for safeties or anyone else. So he, he's got targets. He also and he didn't really have a right. And he's got a chip yeah. in his shoulder. He's got he nothing to lose. You're exactly right, right, Jerry. And he's and he doesn't have media pressure, and that's why Cleveland right. is so good for a lot of these guys. They can come to Cleveland, and it's like, oh, I don't nobody, have to, nobody will care about questions him. exactly. But no, <laughs> let's think about this. Thank you. For Go to Cleveland. You're in the what in the sports world. You're you're in a place where there's not a ton of media. Okay, the the fans are obsessed with you. They'll, they'll they'll be you'll be their their they'll be their your biggest supporter. They love you in Cleveland. So for, for me, RG three, this is great for him. This is exactly what he needed. Well, and his boy Art Bryles was in today to see. They him. they will be their biggest the the fans will be the biggest supporter of the quarterback as long as they don't suck. And exactly. But but here's the problem though. You know how many times have we seen the the picture on the internet of the jersey? With all the different starting quarterbacks named since Tim Couch, I don't so, want to talk about it. So, well, but no, but Jersey's not even there anymore. They got rid of it. Well, but here's the, here's the <laughs> thing, though. No, City you, of you have, Luke, you forget. You're saying that from a national standpoint, there's not a ton of media, but you know that you know better than anybody. The Cleveland media is pretty hard, and they're pretty they're pretty stupid too, and they're pretty jump, they're pretty quick to jump to conclusions. So, I mean, once if he struggles in game one and game two, he's going to hear it. And and, and Cleveland is so desperate. 
for a franchise quarterback that, you know, you, you the fans aren't necessarily the most patient ones either. And I'm hoping they can yeah. show some sort of patience with them. So so I, I see your point from a national standpoint. You're not going to get, you know, yes. on ESPN, yeah. RG3. You're not going to get on ESPN. The lead story is RG3 sitting and looking depressed. But from an at, from a, a local standpoint in Cleveland, he's going to hear it if he struggles. Absolutely. There's also nothing else to talk about in in national in local media in, in Cleveland. So they have to talk about quarterback struggles, and they they booed everybody when they play poorly. Like it's not a new thing for a Cleveland quarterback to get booed if he doesn't do well. It's going yeah, to happen. It will happen. Right. But the, you know what? Also, Cleveland fans love more than anything. A quarterback who gets it and isn't a diva. And if he comes out and plays like a diva, Kelly Holcomb. You, yeah, people love Kelly Holcomb because he wasn't a diva. He was he was an average guy who had blue a collar. decent arm. Yeah, blue collar guy, and we love that shit. Yeah, but yeah. the problem is Derek Anderson is, was a god. The problem is though is that it's come out that after the fact that RG three was a diva in Washington. So hopefully he got his shit together and he realized okay. I Listen, I need to kind of make myself a, a quality quarterback again, and I need to just kind of put my ego aside. But it, it's coming out after the fact that he was a diva in Washington. So that's not going to fly in, in Cleveland. It just simply won't. So, listen, I, I think that I've he, he hasn't gotten a lot of positive commentary on him since he signed with the, with the, the Browns. I think that he will impress more than he disappoints. Let's put it that way. I don't think he's going to become the rookie, the other guy he was a couple of years ago. But well, I see no reason way, why he won't be. He won't lead the team to a couple comeback victories or or make some some highlight plays. But again, it's RG three, and he's pretty inaccurate. And he's going to make a bunch of dumb head, uh, boneheaded plays too. The, the only place for him to go if he were to go lower is out of the league. So it's like this is it. <laughs> so, so I don't understand what he he could possibly be worried about. It's either improve. Play better, and even if that's incrementally better, you know, gets us an extra win or two. We don't have these super high expectations for Cleveland the, yeah. uh, this year. So if he gets us to five yep. wins or six wins, wow, yeah. what a what a step forward! That's where we're what? at right now. We got two, oh, we got two man, first round so picks happy. next year, so and we're going to make it happen. But if he sucks, oh, if so he's bad, Patriots, it's not like we didn't see this coming. This right. is his last chance. Yeah. You right now, it, you're just playing with house money right now. Whatever happens, happens because it really can't, can't get much worse than last year's quarterback situation. So I mean, let's uh, end this. Let's end this with with a cliche quote that you know Robert Griffin would love. Talk is cheap, baby. He's got to do it on the <laughs> field, or none of it matters. Do you Done. Think he, Over do you with. Think he, he has that motivational poster above his bed or something like that. Like talk is cheap with like a mountain range and the sun. No, there's coming one up. thing that he has above his bed. It's live, laugh, love. That's what I think. Of <laughs> <laughs> I just want to. He he's like a girl in college. He's so just corny. I, I'm he's just so corny. I, so- I can't take it. Just produce on the field, and we can get through this together. That's it. That's fine. So Cleveland's not the only team that currently has a, a quarterback training camp battle right now. Uh, one, if there's a few teams I want to talk about, and the first team it's it's really it's amazing that we're at this point right now where we're talking about these two players battling for the number one job at quarterback. Uh, a few years ago, Colin Kaepernick led the 49ers to the Super Bowl, uh, and 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 a few years ago, Blaine Gabbert was benched for Chad Henney. So um, in San Francisco. 
Blaine Gabbert versus Colin Kaepernick. Last year, Kaepernick went down with an injury, and Blaine Gabbert took over. And I'm not saying Blaine Gabbert was a world beater by any by any stretch of the, ma- the imagination, but he arguably played the best football of his career uh, last year with the 49ers. But this year, Chip Kelly comes in as the head coach for the Niners, and you figure that Colin Kaepernick would be a player that would really excel in Chip Kelly's system. And I know, Burris, you're a big fan of Chip Kelly back to his Oregon days. So how do you see this this quarterback battle shaping out? Do you think that there's some way that uh, Chip Kelly can be the quarterback whisperer again and, and make Kaepernick great again, or, or what do you think? Well, I do, th- I do think Kaepernick ends up being the starter, and here's why. I think the problem with Kaepernick was Jim Tomasula and hit running his offense. Um, you either had to go two ways with Kaepernick in his career. You had to go the Jim Harbaugh way, keeping it simple, a yeah. lot of running, running based offense and play yeah. action off of it, get him out of the pocket. Or you have to go back to what he did best in, in Nevada, and that was a lot of read option, and that was a lot of quick uh, screens and things like that. And that's what he's going to be asked to do with uh, Chip Kelly's offense out there in uh, San Francisco. So if you're asking me who's going to start, I'm going to pick Kaepernick. And if I'm wrong, well, then they must know. Obviously, they know more than what I know, but uh, I don't think Blaine Gabbert's is going to be the guy there. Yeah, and I, I, Burris, I think I think you're spot on there with two. I mean, not to mention Jim Harbaugh is an absolute phenomenal coach. So it doesn't. Jim Harbaugh can coach anyone. I, I, they, they, they're probably missing him like heck out there because they had something and they let it go. But they also had a phenomenal defense too. And yeah, like, you're right. You're right. Me- that, yeah. that definitely has to be mentioned. That's why yeah. they were so successful as well. And there was a team that was a, that was back when it really was just them and the Seahawks and and. They got through it, so I, it's. I think it's more than just what the training camp battle is if for the uh, direction of the 49ers. But if you're just asking me who's going to be the guy on week one, I think it's going to be Cap. Everything's everything's saying Gabbert. National media, coaching coaches, even the teams talking about Gabbert right now. I, I don't. I'm with you, Jerry. I don't see it. Colin Kaepernick is fit for the Chip Kelly system. I think he can make some plays out of it. To be honest. If Colin Kaepernick does not win this job, I think that tells us what we are talking about with RG3, where he's – I think he'll be even worse off than RG3, to be honest. If he can't beat Blaine Gabbert be, yeah. in a Chip Kelly system that is tailor-made for him, we're ta- who wants Colin Kaepernick? He, who wants him? How's he going to win a job? Yeah, if he struggles to beat out Blaine Gabbert this year oh. – uh, then, then his NFL career, I won't say it's over because he will catch on with somebody. Oh, I know, yeah, I, I'm, yeah. And I know the Jets next year, he wanted to play for the Jets this year. Uh, the Jets next year, if Fitzpatrick decides to not re-up with them or, you know, because he only signed a one-year deal, they have Geno Smith, Christian Hackenberg, and Bryce Petty. So Kaepernick could come in there. At, at, but we're not even there yet. We're talking about what they're going to do in 2016. And and you guys are right that if, if for some reason Kaepernick is not the starting quarterback week one, something just went drastically wrong because he's got more talent. He's fit better for the system. I just think that I just think that he he's he's done. I don't think he's that good anymore. Yeah. Uh, injuries kind of sapped him of some of his talent last year, and I think some of the success kind of got to his head. and And he pulled an RG three maybe, and he didn't prepare like he should. Uh, and also, you know what? Yeah, I'm not I'm not gonna say that Blaine Gabbert was great by any stretch of the imagination last year, but he was solid in a few games for for the 49ers. So he could serviceable. Just be a, so he was serviceable, right? He was. Definitely, definitely in the probably the bottom five of the starting quarterbacks in the NFL last year. But 
he could be a bridge quarterback for the you know the next franchise player that Chip Kelly brings in at quarterback and 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 you know Colin Kaepernick is his contract's pretty expensive so I was actually pretty surprised that they brought mm. him back I think they brought him back on on his 14 14, 14 15 million, yeah 14 mm. million dollars because they I think Chip Kelly said let me work with this player just for one more year let's see how it works out because well, Colin Kaepernick is perfect for Chip Kelly and I can't stress that enough so I, 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 Kaepernick has to be the favorite to win this job, but I just really would not be surprised if week one we're seeing Blaine Gabbard under center, which would just be an abomination. And maybe we're blinded as fantasy players that Kaepernick is, is, is X, Y, and Z. Let's not get it twisted. I don't think even Chip Kelly wanted him at the beginning from all the reports and everything. Uh, they were saying that they couldn't find anyone to take his $14 million bonus. I mean, that was the, the Browns wanted him. Well, but and, and they uh, say to themselves, the, "We're not uh, taking fourteen million on the books for this guy." The, the Broncos wanted him too. The yeah, Broncos I mean, him. they decided to go with Mark Sanchez, who's probably a better option. And, and oh, Mark, absolutely. You know, and that's actually you know we'll talk about the, the Broncos in a second, but let's talk about Chip Kelly's old team. So the Eagles currently have three quarterbacks on the roster: uh, Sam Bradford, who they traded for last year; Chase Daniel, who they just signed to a three-year, twenty-one million dollar contract; and then Carson Wentz, who they drafted thanks to trading up with the Browns. Um, you know, I think week one, there's no question that Sam Bradford is a starter. But how long is that going to last? Let's let's be realistic here. <laughs> Sam Bradford is just not a good quarterback. He's a very mediocre quarterback. They gave Chase Daniel. You know, not starters money, but $7 million a year is pretty close to starters money or low-level starters. And and Carson Wentz, I think, to be perfectly honest, I think the best thing they could do is redshirt him pretty much this year and sit him every week and let him learn the position because they don't – the Eagles are going to suck this year. Who they play week one? <laughs> they play the Browns? <laughs> yeah, baby. So and the Browns do have their first round pick next year, so hopefully the Browns get that that get that W. But you know, really, it's just you look at that quarterback situation, and you're just like, do you feel? I, I'm not even impressed with Carson Wentz. I thought he was him and both Jonathan Goff were both severely overdrafted. Jared Goff, Jared Goff. I'm sorry, Jared Goff. My bad. Both severely overdrafted. So. You know, you look at that quarterback room, and it's it's really just not impressive whatsoever. So, week one, it should be Sam Bradford, but week three, week four, I don't think Doug Peterson is going to pull the trigger that quickly. But he does have a history of Chase Daniel in Kansas City, um, and, and Mark, you know, you know a little bit more about the quarterback position than I do. I mean, do you see any way that Bradford could be any sort of not only a fantasy impact impactful player, but also just an impactful player in the NFL in general? So I'm not going to talk about fantasy because I don't think he's, I don't think he's necessarily relevant in fantasy because his health issues. Uh, he, he's not a bad quarterback when he's healthy, but he's never healthy. So he uh, he can manage, he can make a couple plays here and there. He's tall, he's got a decent arm. I, I wouldn't even want him in Cleveland. So I'll tell you what, I, I, they a have lot. to play him. They have to play him. They, have they, to, they don't yeah. have a choice. They got. Two years, they signed him for two years, 35-some million. They don't have a choice. They're right. giving him, I think, 17, 18 a year. So they're going to play him. Uh, I don't understand what's going on. I think, hey, we're learning a new system. Let's let everyone kind of go at it. But just so you guys know, we brought Chase in as a backup. Bradford's our guy. But I, you know what? Jerry, you tell me what you think on this. I can't oh, I believe I'm saying on. this. I can't no. I, th- th- what I'm gonna say, I can't believe I'm saying this. I don't think the Browns are gonna be good this year, 
But I absolutely love our opener for some ungodly <laughs> reason because all the pressure's on Philly. And th- th- they're doing this split quarterback crap. They got they – got, I love our week one matchup. All the pressure's on them. If we can get to the first half and the game's within a touchdown, I, I like our chances. I think I we're really one do. I think and we're 1-0. And RG3 has played there. So – what Reliance? No, it, well, I forget what the stadium's called. Reliance NRG Stadium. No, it, Reliance, no, the Reliance Houston. Oh, Houston NRG. Oh, the Link. No, Lincoln Financial. Yeah, Lincoln. Field. Yes. Lincoln. Yeah, I like it. RG 3s played there. I mean, that'd be. We're not at home week one, which is good for all Cleveland fans. So we can show <laughs> the freak out. And I'm, Philly fans are brutal. So, right. Sorry to turn it back right. on the Browns, but. Hey, we we usually play Sam Bradford well. He if we can collapse the pocket, he's not very good. But going back to the quarterback position, you got to probably like Car- Sam Bradford to to play this year, next year, and Carson Wentz is going to year three. He's going to play, and I yeah. like Carson Wentz. I think he'll be a good player. I think he's a good kid. I I think he's solid. Jerry, yeah. what do you think? I think the red shirt's a great idea for Wentz. Um, yeah, put, throwing him to the wolves this year just puts him in line with like a Tim Couch, like we've seen, and you know basically every, every Browns rookie that started way too early. So that's what they need to do. They're not going to be good this year. They lost a lot of guys, and I think week one it'll be Browns uh, with a win column, and we're on our way to getting one of their high picks. So that's fine with me. Right. But as far right. as the starter, yeah. it's oh, Sam yeah, Bradford, I forgot about that. Yeah. and then uh, we might see some Chase Daniel. But yeah. Chase from a fantasy bad. standpoint, I'm staying away from the Eagles at the quarterback position. I might yeah. stay away from the Eagles altogether because that that team's an, an aberration, an abortion, not an aberration, but an absolute abortion. That team's terrible this year. Look, we got a sh- shot week one. What do you what do you think, Mister Boston? We got a shot week one. <laughs> yeah, of course, you guys got a shot week one. Shock the world, baby! Shock the world. What's the line on that? That's game? not even a shot on that game. Oh, if we win week one in Philly, that's a freaking shock. You think anyone called that? <laughs> Come on. Let, let's let's get off let's get off the week one uh the week one matchup. We'll we'll get to that in a few weeks. Hey here. Luke, I also I just read uh on the the waiver wire here that if the uh Patriots need another running back, Trent Richardson is available. Perfect. Dropped by the Perfect. Ravens. Sign me up. Back uh, sign me up. Valley yeah. knee injury, hamstring injury. Hey, he's down twenty pounds, but you know, whatever. Get you three yards of carry. God, I thought he's gonna be the next stud. Uh, yeah. But hey, we have we have listen. We have one more quarterback controversy that we have to talk about, and that is in Denver. Oh. Uh, you know, Mark Sanchez, formerly of the aforementioned Philadelphia Eagles, is going to be facing uh, first round pick Paxton Lynch and and journeyman or not journeyman, but out of nowhere, Trevor Simeon. I mean. Mark Sanchez, I think that he can't be much worse physically than Peyton Manning was last year uh, from a mental standpoint, but no, not at all. But, um, you know, if that Denver defense plays well, much like the Jets defense. Yes. No, but if the, and it, just like yes. the Jets. Defense, yeah, right. So, and he's got two great options on the outside and, yes. uh, you know, uh, Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders. I, I mean, I find it very, very hard to believe that Tremor Simeon is going to beat Mark Sanchez in this yeah. quarterback contest. And yeah. and Paxton Lynch is obviously the future of this team. They didn't <sighs> waste a pick, which is not great, but they didn't waste a first-round pick on him for nothing. Um, so, you know, again, from a fantasy standpoint, you might want to take a shot on Paxton Lynch in a dynasty league, sit on him. I have Mark Sanchez in one league as a backup to Aaron Rodgers just because I don't plan on starting – 
Sanchez any other week other than Aaron Rodgers' bye week, which is week four. So that's kind of my mindset with Mark Sanchez. But, uh, yeah, it's Denver. Denver's going to win with defense. They're not going to win with Mark Sanchez or Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon. Um, so, so again, not, not a ton to talk about there, but I felt it was worth being mentioned. Luke, I'll tell you what, when, when it comes to, to Denver, I think Mark Sanchez is solid. I, I think he will manage games great. I think you know firsthand that he managed some football games in New York with the Jets. Yep. And, you know, I have no problem with him there. C.J. Anderson's going to have a nice year. I think he's solid there. They get back to running the football more, which is good for C.J. Anderson. They have great they have great tight end options. They have great guys on the outside. They have a solid – well, I think they, they got an average to decent offensive line. So I think Mark Sanchez, I think this is a great fit for him. John Elway knows what he's doing. He'll build his confidence. The Paxton Lynch, Trevor Simeon, Trevor Simeon, he'll be their backup. I don't see him playing. Mark Sanchez usually healthy, but Jerry, Paxton Lynch, I'm hearing that he's socially awkward, that it's kind of <laughs> weird with the dude, that he's like got the raccoon eyes, that everything's kind of overwhelming for him. I was watching NFL Network all week, and that they kept saying the same thing about him, that it's kind of the lights have kind of affected him, and he, he's really kind of just a weird dude. What do you think? He's, I mean, he's from a tiny-ass town in Florida. You know, he celebrated a draft night in a bowling alley with all of his buddies, which isn't a bad way to celebrate, but he's, he's in a big city now. You know, Memphis College or Memphis University football is not the big time. You know, the, the lights are getting bright. That's exactly what's going to happen. He's in a, an offense where it's not just – you know, one read and throw it. He's got to actually do some stuff. But yeah, I think yeah. what I think what we need to remember is Mark Sanchez doesn't have to be the guy that wins games for Denver. Yeah. They got a great defense coming yeah. back, and they got a, a decent running game, and they still got Demarius Thomas out there who's a serious weapon. Yeah, and, and let's talk about Demarius Thomas real quick because I'm seeing him being constantly undervalued in fantasy <laughs> drafts, not only in dynasty but also in in redraft. You know, again, last year he had Brock Osweiler and uh, the corpse of Peyton Manning throwing him the ball. And Demarius, he was solid last year, 100-some-odd catches. Yeah. I mean, he had a bunch of drops. He didn't find the end zone all that much, but he still had a very good year. So I think a lot of people are, are kind of overreacting about the quarterback situation. And you can say, say the same thing about Emmanuel Sanders. Currently in a startup right now with a, a bunch of guys from DynastyFootballWarehouse.com. And Emmanuel Sanders is one of the ninth round in a startup, which Emmanuel Sanders has been solid. He's been actually more than solid. He's been fantastic. In last year, 76 catches, 1,100 yards. The year before, 101 catches, 1,400 yards. He's only 29. He's about to sign another contract with, with the Broncos. I think that people are really getting scared off from – the, the Denver Broncos receiving situation because of the quarterback situation. And I really don't think it's much different than last year. So if, if you're in your fantasy drafts, do the right thing and, and draft either Emmanuel Sanders or Demarius Thomas well within, you know, you're going to get a steal with them in their ADP if, if they're going in the third or seventh round or something like that. Just it's, That's just foolish. Good Lord. Mark Sanchez has got to be saying to himself, thank God. I, I think if you're Mark Sanchez right now and what you have around you, I mean, Mark Sanchez, I, I'm telling you, I, if I'm Mark Sanchez, the only thing I'm thinking about is my next contract. I got all right. this around me. If I can somehow figure it out for two years or whatever contract he's on, if two years, he will get paid. He'll get himself a nice contract to end life. 
Right, and he's actually never really had wide receivers at his disposal, if you think about it. I mean, no. last last year with Jordan Matthews is probably the most talented wide receiver he's ever had. Braylon? Uh, yeah, Braylon was decent, but I mean, I guess I guess Braylon and if you're saying that Braylon or Jordan Matthews are your top receiver that you've ever worked with, then that's you're not saying Eric much. Decker's not a stud. Is that what you're getting at? No, he never had no, Decker. He, he never, oh, yeah, he never he played with Philly. Decker? I mean, but no. he had... Yeah, he had Jordan. Did he have Jordan Matthews two years ago when he was good? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yes. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um. Yeah, because he was with Philly uh, in fifteen and fourteen, and in fourteen he played nine games. So I'm trying to think. I think they had Michael Vick that year too. So I think he was the backup to Vick. Um, yeah. It's sad that we're talking about Michael Vick on this podcast in August second of 2016, but it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, no. I mean. I, I think we're I think we're all on the same page that Mark Sanchez has a great opportunity in Denver and and really should perform well as a game manager from a fantasy standpoint. He's nothing more than a backup, a flyer pick. Uh, it would be it would be very sad if he lost his job to Paxton Lynch or Trevor Simeon. It just it, it just simply shouldn't happen. Um, yeah, that's where we're at with the Broncos. They're going to be a solid team this year. I mean, obviously keep an eye out for them in the AFC, um, and and we'll see what happens with that. But. Um, Let's transition to you know strictly fantasy now. So we talked about some of the quarterback battles, talked about what's going on in Patriots camp, and talked about what's going on in Browns camp. Uh, if you remember correctly, last week we started doing a mini mock draft uh, based on an early pick in a in a redraft league, a middle pick in a redraft league, and then a late pick in that league as well. So uh, Burris and I. So a quick a quick recap on on just what this league is all about, and I do need to thank Mark. Uh, for bringing me into this league in 2005. If it, if it weren't for him, I, I can't say that I would be as into fantasy football as I am now. So, Mark, <laughs> I want to go on public record thanking you for that. Uh, you pretty much got me addicted to to fantasy football. I'm sure I would have been involved with it in some regard because I was playing it before, but I definitely wouldn't be as obsessed as I am now doing blog posts and podcasts uh, solely related to this wonderful, wonderful addiction. Um, Thank you, Luke. You, you repaid the favor and got me into 30 seconds to Mars, so we'll call it a, we'll call it a wash. <laughs> there you go. Perfect. Um, so, so as I mentioned, you know, Mark is the commissioner of the league from the Ville, um, and he will actually be picking what you got. You got the 12th pick this year? Got the last pill. 12th so, was last on the board. I took 12th. Right. So, so you're not too excited about that pick. However, you said you're going to make it work. Uh, um, you, yeah. You, you performed miracles before, so I, I do have faith in you. Um, but let's recap on where we were at last week. So Burris and I both had early picks. I'm currently slotted at third. He's slotted at fourth. So we talked about different uh, strategies that we take at that position. We came up with first-round pick Odell Beckham, second-round pick Doug Martin, third-round pick Aaron Rodgers, and fourth-round pick Greg Olson. So we're filling the stat sheet. We're getting all of our positions sorted out. Obviously have some running back and wide receiver depth that we need to take a look at in rounds five, six, and seven here tonight. Uh, Barky, who, <laughs> who had an eighth round pick, or eighth overall pick, we, we figured we, he might get Adrian Peterson, uh, Demarius Thomas, Calvin Benjamin, Michael Floyd. So he's pretty wide receiver heavy. We're probably going to look at running backs and quarterbacks here in the next few rounds. And then Schillig or, or Mark. Uh, Schillig, we have him at 13. Mark, obviously you're at 12, so you can definitely comment on this. He's got um, a pretty similar situation as us. We got Gronk going in the first round, Jordy Nelson in the second, Carlos Hyde in the third, and Russell Wilson in the fourth. So again, he's got his tight end, his quarterback, his running back, and his wide receiver. So where he goes with that, we'll find out. 
But uh, Burris, we're on the clock right now in the fifth round, third or fourth pick in the fifth round. Again, we just took Greg Olson in, in the fourth round. So who are you looking at here in the fifth round? I mean, I think obviously we have to start looking at quarterback, right? Definitely got to start looking at quarterback. Um, you know, we, we talked about Brady and where we thought he would fall. Is that a good spot in the fifth, is your fifth pick? You know, if he's there, you have to strongly consider it. I mean, I'm really hoping that Roethlisberger falls to this spot for us. Um, yeah. No one else has him, so I guess we could just take him. I think that's a pretty good spot. So we definitely got to address the quarterback situation. Guys like Breeze aren't going to be there, but if Roethlisberger's there, he's my top guy off the board there. Well, say say Breeze is there, okay? So say we're looking at Breeze, Breeze Roethlisberger, and Tom Brady. Mm-hmm. And, and, Mar- and actually, you know what? Even Carson Palmer. And, Mark, I want to hear your thoughts on this as well because I know – I feel like you usually have Drew Breeze on, on your team each year or, or every other year at least. And then I know you think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback to ever play the f- game of football. So, um, you know, are you willing to sit on Brady for four games or would you want to get instant production from Drew Breeze or Roethlisberger or Carson Palmer? I'll take. I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll take Roethlisberger all day there. I mean, he's just gonna. Antonio Brown's just gonna get the ball and get the ball and get the ball. And I mean, I'll take Roethlisberger with the numbers he'll put up. Uh, I don't know about Carson Carson Palmer to be honest. Not with David Johnson running the ball on the goal line. So I'd probably take Brady second out of those, and then I'd, I'd go to Carson Palmer. I'm not a big Carson Palmer fan. I think the older he gets, the more he'll have to make sure he just manages the game because they mm-hmm. got a good defense too. Right, right. And I, I do think the one thing about Drew Brees, which kind of scares me about him, is I feel like he has games. He'll have like, I think last year he had a six touchdown game. It was it was uh, when they played the Giants. And he scored a fifth of his points in one game. So he, while he's always been consistently a top five quarterback, if you look at his production from last year, like I said, if you're going to get 20, 20% of your points in one game, that's not going to win you games each week. So. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 that sixty point game took him from like the eleventh ranked quarterback to the uh, to like the, the fifth ranked quarterback. But I will say that Roethlisberger he does that as well. Um, if you take a look at his numbers from two years ago, so obviously he got banged up last year because he's a very physical player, and that's that's kind of what he does is he he'll get go down with an ankle injury, but he'll come back as soon as possible. Um, if you look at Roethlisberger two years ago, back in two thousand fourteen, week eight, week nine, he combined for. See, 862 yards and 12 touchdowns with zero picks. So he actually had, uh, what's that, 12 out of 30 is uh, four. I can't do math right now. 12 out of 30 is, let's see here. Two-fifths two fifths of his of his total football up. So 40% of his touchdowns in two games. So, you know, while Roethlisberger has consistently been a solid fantasy option, I do have some concern because I feel like he just has those games where, you know, it'll be a, a, a typical AFC North game against like the Ravens. Where we'll have 200 some odd rush or passing yards with no touchdowns and a pick. And that loses you a week. But then he'll come back two weeks, three weeks later and throw for 500 yards with six touchdowns. And all of a sudden you win that week, but you win by like 60 points. So it really didn't matter that his production was, was so great. So do you kind of see my concern there with those quarterbacks? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, absolutely. I think yeah. quarterbacks deep as all get up this year. I mean, there's a ton of guys that can play quarterback on in fantasy football. You could snag two guys late and play matchups. I mean, you can get Aaron Rodgers in the second, third round. You can, I mean, Cam Newton, second round. I mean, yeah, and you you know Jonesy's not going to let uh, <laughs> Jonesy ain't letting Aaron Rodgers get back in the raft round. There's no way Jonesy took him third overall last year. Oh, there's no trade. way if he's in the second round, Jonesy, give me that. 
Right, right. Yeah, um, it's really it's really interesting to see how different players value quarterbacks in fantasy football. Some like the the, the zero QB strategy, meaning hey, I'm going to take four average quarterbacks towards the end of the of the draft, and like you said, play the matchups. Some want their stud quarterback in the first or second round, which I feel like that never really works out well for that owner. And then guys like me, they look at quarterbacks in the fifth or sixth round. So, you know, last year was Matt Ryan, who was just god-awful. But two years ago, he was pretty solid in the fifth round. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Sometimes, you know, a, a team will take a quarterback – that should be drafted in the fifth round and the third round. That kind of throws a wrench into all your plans. But that's why it's good to kind of have a few different options and say, okay, if I'm looking at Ben Roethlisberger here, you know, I'm also looking at Drew Brees if he's available, or I'm looking at you know a player like Andy Dalton later on, which I know you guys hate Andy Dalton, but I have an affinity for him. Um, he's a backup option or or a player that always seems to produce in, in Philip Rivers. So uh, definitely make sure you have a few different options because you never know what your your fellow fantasy players are going to do at their respective spots. Um, but we're going to go to Farkey's pick now, who we have him picking eighth overall. And so he's in the middle of the fifth round. Uh, like I mentioned, Adrian Peterson, all by three wide receivers, Marius Thomas, Calvin Benjamin, Michael Floyd, currently make up his team. So um, I, I think he has to go running back here because it's going to get pretty ugly pretty quick at running back. Uh, I think that he should take a look at a guy like Frank Gore, who should be available there. He really slowed down towards the end of the year, and he could take a flyer on Melvin Gordon, who was highly rated out of, out of college and, and I think 12th overall pick by the Chargers. You know, I, I would 15th, lean towards 15th. Okay. So I'd actually lean more towards Frank Gore than Melvin Gordon just because you know that Frank Gore is probably going to put up solid numbers. Um, but, you know, Mark, do you think that, that after, granted, he did have microfracture surgery, which is very scary for a, a running back, but do you think Melvin Gordon could have a, a bounce back sophomore season? Yeah, I, I can't buy it. I, I like the Chargers this year. I really do. They got a guy that can stretch the field, but let's, I mean, Danny Woodhead's going to be the, uh, a solid guy there with Philip Rivers. What, what, Melvin Gordon had zero touchdowns last year and right. six fumbles. Yeah. Now, I, I've been watching him on, on NFL Network. He had the microfracture surgery in January. I mean, let's – you can't draft Melvin Gordon and say, oh, I'm going to plug him in, I'm going to play him, and I'm going to depend on him. No, no, no. You, if you're doing that, you're risking way too much too early in the season. You, I mean right. – you're not going to win it in week one, but you sure as hell can lose it if you got Melvin Gordon with a lot of faith going into the beginning of the season. So yeah. He sounds I'm, great I'm, if he's on my team. I think uh, <laughs> Simply Ravishing will be picking up Melvin Gordon this year. <laughs> Jared, do you think Farky looks at like a, a Frank Gore type here? Frank Gore is a great pickup here. I take that. I disagree with you guys. I do. I, and I so know who, Farky, so who, who do you think? Who do you think? pick Frank Gore. So, so who do you think's in play here at in the eighth and the fifth round? You know, give, give, give me three running backs that you think that are, are. I mean, or give me two other guys. You have Melvin Gordon, Frank Gordon. Give me two others. Uh, I think you're looking at like a Namir Abdullah type. You might be looking at uh, a Chris Ivory, Justin Forsett, uh, maybe Theo Riddick. That that might be a little early for him, but he he's an option as well. Rashad Jennings from the Giants. Those oh, are all geez. options. Hey, what, about, uh, what about your boy, Jay Ajayi? Ajayi? Ajayi. I mean, I don't want to touch him with he's sitting out with knee soreness and in Arian Foster there. Uh, so. I mean, but, but make it make a 
Isaiah Crowell could be better than, than all those guys. Yeah, yeah. No, to that, be honest, I mean, yeah, but it, do you but do you want to use a fifth round pick on Crowell, or do you want to wait when he's probably going to be there in the seventh round? Yeah, so well, maybe, maybe he takes a tight end. You could look at a little Darius Green. You could take a look at he needs a quarterback. So maybe you could talk about Carson Palmer. Yeah, or uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, or Tom. So, the guy, so, the guy at running back, I think you guys are both scanning over, and it might be a short term thing. Is you know, do you take D'Angelo Williams here? Uh, that seems early for four games. It is. It is. Only uh, do you have, if games. you have Le'Veon Bell on your team, yes. Right. Okay. But he does. Okay, but, he but, if you, but you don't. So right. I, I'll tell you what. I would probably take a flyer on Amir Abdul and try to say, hey, I'll take the upside more okay. than anything. The guy's got a little bit of wiggle in him. Uh, okay. But I don't like any of these picks. I, I, okay. I'll be honest with you. I don't like any of these guys. Uh, ugh, that's God. that's you fair. You've got to go there and find me another guy. <laughs> I, Vern I, called I, me today. Vern called me today, and his topic was Frank Gore. <laughs> <laughs> He wanted to talk fantasy football. I mean, a dynasty league fantasy football, Frank Gore. And I said, yeah. you got yeah. one year. Uh, yeah. The guy's 34 years, 33, 34 years old. He's got a million I, miles. I, I can't buy it. I just can't buy it. I agree. I agree. I, I'm sorry. So, all right. So we're looking at Amir Abdullah, I think, for Farkey here uh, as a second running back to pair up with Adrian Peterson. So he's got a pretty explosive team. And, and now we're looking at the tail end of the fifth. Uh, Schillig and, and Mark, you can kind of comment on this since you'll be picking this area. You know, with a team of Gronk, Jordy Nelson, Carlos Hyde, Russell Wilson, other than quarterback Schill- and tight end, Schillig could really go either running back or wide receiver here. So, Burris, who do you think tail end of the, of the fifth round is, is a real option for, for Schillig? Um, it's going to depend who's still available that kind of slipped through the cracks of the uh, previous ones. I mean, if you're looking at wide receiver, is Emmanuel Sanders going to slip down that low? He might He might because of uh, the quarterback situation in Denver. Mm-hmm. And we just right. got off, uh, off that topic earlier saying that the guy who uh, might be a little bit of a uh, – a sleeper would be like uh, John Brown from Arizona, but he's kind of a feast or famine deep yeah. ball guy. Like, I like him. He could have a two touchdown game, and then next week he's got one reception. So mm-hmm. you got to look at uh, somebody who's a little bit more consistent. I don't hey, know. Luke, Luke. So we're on the same page too. I, and I like I like what you said about that. It, it, uh, do we have Giovanni Bernard and Ryan Matthews still available? Yeah, I, I think I think at this point one two yeah in the in the fifth round. Uh, you know, Gio Bernard should be should definitely be in the conversation. Um, so I would take Giovanni Bernard for Farkas right there at eighth. And Farkas took Giovanni Bernard in Sean's league his rookie year. So there's a connection there. So right. we're going to change that pick really quick. And we're going right. to Giovanni Bernard. So we're going back We're going back to Farkas pick here with Gio Bernard. Yeah, but get- I like uh, – in and, and this next pick, Burris, you just took it home. I think uh, Emmanuel Sanders, John Brown, pick one of those guys. I think both of those guys are great options there. They have a little wiggle to them, upside to them, which I like. Speed guys. Well, so, so, so let's get well, let's fan. get crazy. Let's get crazy here. Schilling's pretty much at the wrap here. So are we going to Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown? Why not? Yeah, yeah, I would. Yep. Now, now, what he's other, got a pretty other, good uh, wide receiver core on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean. He, it, the, the running back situation will be a little suspect to the RB two, um, but I, you know, that, it's pretty easy to find a uh, a player that's taken over 
uh, the role uh, if uh, the incumbent running back is either hurt or a player has kind of emerged as a pass-catching threat in a PPR league. So there's really no need to make sure that you have your running backs within your first five rounds. So that that's a good point. So right now, you know, Schilling's looking at Jordy Nelson, Emmanuel Sanders, and John Brown as wide receiver core. Uh, that, that's not too shabby in a PPR league. Yeah, and uh, I think Farkas comes right back, and he would be looking tight end and – if a guy like Travis Kelsey was on the board, Travis Kelsey's got some great upside. He's their number one target. Him and Macklin are their only two targets in the air. You know, I, I like Travis Kelsey here. I know Burris is a big Travis Kelsey fan. He's a Northeast Ohio Cleveland boy. <laughs> yeah, he's a, dir- he's a dirty guy too. We love that. Yeah, you got to figure you know, that Gary Barnage is gone at this point because this will be a Cleveland draft. So I think Travis Kelsey would be a great pick for, for Farkey here. Well, who do you think and would I- take Gary Barnage? Uh, Russell Phillips. Real, yes, I agree. <laughs> in, in, in in the third round. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So okay, Hard so hit. all right, so Travis Kelsey it, it pairs up with with Farkey's two running backs and three wide receivers. So he's lacking yeah. a quarterback right now, but there's still plenty of great options available. If you're gonna so, wait, uh, wait. Exactly. At this point, there's really you know you can probably get an Eli Manning or a Blake Bortles in the next round, which I know Bortles is your favorite player, Mark. Um, but no, 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 so, no. Oh, Vern, <laughs> Vern loves for Bortles. So we're back on the clock, Burris. Uh, we have um, actually, I just realized that I put Ben Roethlisberger for us last round, but we already had Aaron Rodgers, so we got we got to fix that real quick. Uh, I wonder no way- what was going on there, Shrek. No- <laughs> Shrek. <laughs> He picked two quarterbacks in the top five he did. rounds. Yes, he did. So, yeah, I wonder what was going on in there, Shrek. Trade so that's, a, that's a move that young Daniel would make. Um, so let's go back to that real quick, and let's take a look at our team. And I, I'm thinking we're probably going to go running back here instead. So uh, let's just slot Frank in. Gore. Uh, sure, let's slot in Frank Gore there just because uh, we messed up. And that's fine. Um, so, all right, now we have two running backs, tight end, wide receiver. Uh, it's about time we picked another wide receiver, I believe. Um, you know, I, a player that I'm actually very intrigued by, and I think I might take a flyer on him. I'm I know not where sure you're going. I'll, I'll do it in our league, but I'll, I will do it in a few leagues. Is Devontae Parker from Miami? Oh, no. Devontae Parker last year, once he came back from that foot injury, had pretty solid games. Um, he, he looked like that true wide receiver one that 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 or outside receiver that uh, Miami sorely lacked. I mean. Obviously, Jarvis Landy is a great PPR guy, great slot guy, had over 100 catches last year. However, he was not an outside player. But if you look at De- uh, Devontae Parker's numbers last year from Week 12 on, they're pretty solid. Uh, four catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Three for 63 and a touchdown. And then he had a, a, a dud at two, two with 16. And then four for 87, four for 93. And again, that, that was in an injury-shortened rookie season where he was suffering from that foot injury. So I really like Devontae Parker to kind of step it up and, and be a solid wide receiver too. And at this, and he was drafted pretty high, 14th overall last year, and he was a pretty good prospect out of Louisville. So I, I think that uh, in the sixth round, he's, he's a great player to take a flyer on. You're Mark, not going to get... Go ahead, go ahead, Jerry. I was going to say I agree with that. Um, at this point in the, in the draft, you're looking to get a guy who's still a wide receiver one in Devontae Parker. I believe is is that guy. Um, other than that, you're starting to get into like the Crab Trees and um, you know even like a Deshaun Jackson. And I don't want to go down that far uh, at this point. So Devontae Parker, I can live with that if he's paired with uh, Odell Beckham. I- 
I've been on I've been on the, the Deshaun Parker roller or Deshaun Jackson roller coaster before, and trust me, it's it's not fun. It's not fun. It's, once it's not fun. It's, it's not a demon fun. Hell ride. Oh, if if you look at Michael Crabtree's stats last year, I, I I think you would you would change your mind. Not to mention he is a solid quarterback that's going to consistently drive the ball downfield. And and Crab Crab gets. You might be able to make an argument. Crab gets just as much as Amari Cooper there. So, well, and, and yeah, I, I actually agree, Mark. I think Crabtree sneakily had a pretty good year. His numbers—they're yeah. not gaudy by any means, but he had 85 catches for 922 yards and nine touchdowns. I think if he hits over a thousand yards, because that's just that plateau that once you hit it, it you kind of are talked about a different way. Uh, I think if he hit that, you probably would have saw a lot more press on him this year. Um, but you know, he, now he's just flying under the radar. However, I do think that Amari Cooper will take another step forward, and Crabtree will take a slight back seat. But I still think he's a great. He'll, he'll be a solid wide receiver too, maybe even wide receiver three in fantasy. I, I, I project him to be right around sixty-five, seventy catches, flirt with a thousand yards again. Because you're right with. With Carr playing there, uh, that Oakland offense is actually turning into a pretty legitimate offense, and it yeah. can support two solid fantasy wide receivers yeah. for the first time in a long time. So yeah. uh, I like Crabtree. If Crabtree's there, I definitely consider him. Um, but we're now in the clock in the seventh round. We have, let's see here, we have Odell Beckham, Doug Martin, Aaron Rodgers, Greg Olson, Frank Gore, Devontae Parker. So we either need to take another wide receiver or uh, maybe a backup running back. Uh, I'm I've looking put- at uh, a couple wide receivers if you want to look at running back. Um, sure. You know, this guy, he's technically a rookie because he didn't play at all last year in his rookie season. would be a guy like Kevin White. I've heard a couple good things out of Chicago with him. Um, you drafted You drafted him. I did, him. and uh, he sat on my bench. I thought he'd make a comeback, never got off the, the uh, IR. <laughs> had to drop him. But another guy we just got, ta- got done talking about uh, is a rookie. It would be Corey Coleman. Um, yeah. Let's see what happens here. He's going to be our third wide receiver, but he's still a, a, a wide receiver one in the league. Then that might be something to take a flyer on. Yeah, no, I think Corey Coleman would be nice here. I'm actually going to take it a little different, a little different way. Um, I might actually take a backup running back here just because I think you can find a wide receiver three later on in the draft. Okay. I know this player's value is taking a major hit due to a free agent signing on the same team as his, but I think TJ Yeldon would be a solid running back three here for us. Um, he's probably going to be the pass catching back in that offense, and he might see you know about 150 carries, maybe 170 carries at most. And to be honest, I'm not really sold on Chris Ivory staying healthy and being very effective uh, throughout the course of the season. He's just an older what? player. Uh, he's not. He's just. He, he's always banged up. He, no, why, why, why don't they give TJ Yeldon goal line carries? Remember the game know. last year in London where they kept giving the ball to Toby Gearhart, and it was like <laughs> four or five straight yeah. plays. It was a penalty, and they kept giving. It was like it was actually three straight uh, runs from the one, and right. Toby Gearhart stuff, stuff, stuff. Yeah, yeah I, I don't, I don't I'm know lost why. On this. I don't know why. TJ Yeldon had Bradley. a good year last year. He could just plowed it in, called it a day. Right, right, and I don't understand why they they spent a ton of money on, you know, they gave they gave Ivory like a five year, thirty five million dollar contract, which you know really in all likelihood will be a two or three year contract with do the guaranteed money. Um, so I, I don't understand why they made that move when they just drafted T.J. Yeldon in the second round, and they really never gave him a chance to be the bell cow. But apparently, they want to run a two back system. They think that maybe he's more fit to be a pass catching back. I'm not sure, um, but. Another guy at running back, too, that we could consider here, which I think by the time we get to our draft in a week and a half here, 
Rashad Jennings uh, will probably his ADP is probably going to jump up into the fifth round. Right now, there's a lot of talk about him being the clear cut number one wide, uh, running back, uh-huh. Giants, and which is, which really isn't saying much considering the lack of depth for the the big running back. Um, they have Andre Williams. They have um, the rookie they brought in, uh, whose name is escaping me right now, uh, Paul Perkins, um, and then they have Shane Vereen, who's the pass catching back. So. I think if Rashad Jennings is there in the seventh round, and I, and that's Mark's boy, he, he takes him every other Easy. year. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, if he's there in the, in the seventh round, we definitely want to jump on him and consider him as our third running back. And again, I mentioned why I'm not looking at a starter right now. It's because you can find a third wide receiver later on in the draft. It, it's really not a major uh, position you need to look at. However, you know if you're able to get – a, a great wide receiver core, then that's obviously a leg up. And again, it just comes down to different draft strategy and, and what you want to do. Um, so personally, I'm looking at running back here. Burris, you're probably looking at wide receiver, and, and we'll see where we go with it on draft day. Mm-hmm. But but we're down to Farkey's seventh round seventh round pick and Roethlisberger. Again, and so yeah, I mean yeah, so. Obviously, we're not taking Beth Roethlisberger because we already had Aaron Rodgers on the roster. Um, so at this point, if if a player like Ben Roethlisberger no. slips to him in the seventh round, that's just filthy. I think he's more likely to see a Philip Rivers type in the seventh round or Eli yeah. Manning type yeah, than, than Roethlisberger. So I'm going to slot in Eli Manning there. I feel like that's a Farky pick, uh, and, and he'll enjoy him as his quarterback. Ah, uh, that's interesting. I don't know if he would pick him. Well, he might. He might. But if he doesn't, an Eli Manning type. I mean, I obviously, I, again, as I mentioned, we can't beat in Farkey's head. He did take Cam Newton last year, which is very surprising. Steve Farkey's head. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Schilling's in the same position. Uh, actually, I'm sorry. He's got Russell Wilson. We just took Emmanuel Sanders and John Brown on the turn, and he only has Carlos Hyden on, on his roster at running back. So – you know, if we don't take Rashad Jennings or we don't take um, TJ Yeldon and we take a wide receiver instead, he could look at one of those two players. If we have taken them, he needs a running back. And I think an interesting player he could take here is Arian Foster. At this point in the draft, obviously, he, you know, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, take with a grain of salt how guys look in training camp because it's just training camp. But He's looked explosive in his conditioning test and all that, and he's been cutting on that torn Achilles. So if he comes back 100% and he's on the field, he's an explosive player. And and Jay Ajayi is not doesn't have that. We haven't seen enough tape of him to know that he's going to take over that starting running back role, that early early downwork role. So in the seventh round, I think that Arian Foster could be a great value pick. I don't know what do what do you guys what do you guys think. Uh, I don't know. I'll tell you. I, it, who knows? I mean, is he going to be have explosive? Is he going to be explosive? Uh, I don't. Maybe at the beginning of the year he might put up some good numbers, but you know he could slip something in his back. He's got a terrible back. He could get True. a hamstring problem trying to compensate for the Achilles. I just can't see it. I, I don't know about Steve Smith, wide receiver either. I know he had top ten numbers before he went down, but I, I don't know. Uh, I just had surgery a week ago, so I can't tell you about the explosion. But I don't think these guys would have the type of explosion that they would want. So right, right. Burris, you see any other options at running back? He might be able to take care. I know we did mention Crowell, rookie Derrick Henry for for the Titans, who is you know in a time split. I think you know 
Schillig would have to go running back here. It's just at this point, he needs something there. Uh, he's got his wideouts, he's got his quarterback, he's got his tight end. So I think he's kind of pigeonholed himself into taking a running back. Uh, do you see any other players we haven't mentioned yet? I'm trying to think. Uh, you know, is Theo Riddick there, or is he could be um, going down my list here? Like a four set, maybe slips, and then after that, you're getting down into. You know who uh, you might be getting into? You might be getting into Derrick Henry territory, who might end up being the starter after a couple weeks. So who knows? True, true, true. So, yeah, yeah, I think at this point, Schiller would definitely take best available running back and and probably later on the draft try to pick up a few guys here and there, maybe Devontae Booker from from the the Broncos, the rookie, or the C.J. Proceeds, who's the Seattle Seahawks uh, third down back, it seems like, who's also a rookie. No, he definitely – he got hurt. Oh, oh, he got hurt today? Okay. Yeah, so. and I, I, something's going to happen with him. He got hurt a couple days ago. Oh, that's not good. Yeah. So, obviously, he's probably going to be off the draft board. But, you know, the, the, the point remains the same, that it's just going to be one of those flyer guys, maybe Bilal Powell, he'd be able to draft. Because at that point, if you pigeonhole yourself to you know, not having a running back in the seventh round or a second running back, you're not going to get a ton of talent. And it's just at that point, you're going to have to pick quantity over quality and hope one of them busts out. Kind of like Danny Woodhead did last year. Theo Riddick did last year, um, and, and that's kind of the option you have to look at there in the seventh round at running back. But you know that's the mock draft we have so far. Uh, next episode, we'll probably take a look at maybe not necessarily look at picks eight, eight, nine, but look at different sleeper options that you can find at the end of your draft. You know, diamonds in the rough that might that's help where you I make my money, Luke. That's debatable. That's very debatable. Got to bet big to win big. I don't right. think you've you've never made money playing fantasy football. Made like money? literally, no, no, yeah. No. You're it's always, donate. always it's been a donation every time, right? It, we appreciate that donation. It's it's kind of like saying I have uh, in high school having a girlfriend that lives in Canada, or you you know you met her at Cedar <laughs> Point. But I always do well in my work league. Always, I mean, oh. won or got second place every year for the past three years, dude. What, I, yeah. what is it? The Giant Eagle Football Fantasy Football League? Well, I, don't the talk, I don't want to talk about who else in the league. But let's how do just, I get in that league? This is like uh, this isn't going to be like rounders, and I bring you in so you can lay have a sharp lay with the lambs. But don't worry, I take a lot of the knowledge I take from our draft into that draft, and, and make sure I use it appropriately. That's fine. Keep on doing that because I love your your week your yearly donations. Um, and and speaking of your draft skills, this takes us right into the NFL dumbass of the week. Uh, <laughs> uh, recently, we just found out dun, 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 dun. <laughs> that uh, a player, usually in the news uh, for some sort of mischief, Rolando McLean, is reported to camp. Pick a color. Did, Pick did a even, color. Did he even report to camp? I don't even know. But no, he is, no, he's he is, forty pounds overweight. Pick a color, any color. He's, uh, he's forty pounds overweight during that purple drink. Uh, purple. Admitted <laughs> that he's a. Uh, Addicted to codeine, so he's he's doing a little Wayne medication, you know. Uh, Jamarcus Russell, um, he wins for this year's dumbass of the week. He's currently serving a ten game suspension, and it's it's now coming out saying that he is uh, addicted to purple drink. So I'm sure that uh, this is probably the end of uh, Rolando McLean's short but uh, very intriguing career as we see it so congratulations rolando uh you are the august 2nd recipient of the nfl dumbass of the week is that the first ever um well we kind of briefly talked about it last week we kind of introduced it and mentioned a few different dumbasses of the week but i will say that the first time we're ever mentioning one player 
it's Rolando McLean's. So congratulations, Rolando. Uh, you're never going to win a you Super did Bowl, it. but you won the dumbass. You did it. The Never Ending Glory podcast will send you a uh, some sort of plaque in the mail once we get a sponsor. So, um, with Bruce, that, we need some sound effects there. You got to add something there, like a rock. <laughs> I could run in, you know. I could play some uh, UGK. You know, get the little Pimp C on there. Talk about yeah, that we lane. need something there. Uh, that'd be fantastic. You can't but, talk um, about the purple drink without having a little rhythm in the background. A little chop, <laughs> little three six mafia. Yeah, sipping on that scissor. <laughs> So I think there's no better uh, perfect way to end this this uh, podcast than, than that segment. So, um, Mark, I, I do want to thank you for your time tonight. Uh, I, I hope you rest up that Achilles and, and you're ready for the draft next weekend. I'll be out there next weekend driving out to Ohio for our annual fantasy football draft. And, uh, you know, we're hopefully going to have a, a live report for you while you guys at the golf course. Burris and I will be maybe doing a live, a live read uh, or a live podcast. But um, either way. Uh, thank you for your time tonight. We appreciate it. And Burris, as always, hell of a job. And uh, we'll talk to you guys soon, okay? It's been a blast. Talk to you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. Until next time.